Good morning, everybody, and welcome out to Peekappy Podcast. And what a very early morning it is! It is one thirty-eight a.m. Because sometimes life just works like that, and that's when recording happened today. Um, but I'm so excited to talk to you about Pokemon. This is, if it's your first time listening, Peekappy Podcast. The show where we go through every single episode of the anime from start to finish and just have a lot of fun recapping and, and analyzing. Um, it's very fun, except when it's serious business. Um, today probably won't be very much serious business, though. It's it's a filler episode, but nonetheless a fun one. We are on Advanced Generation number 71, a six-pack attack. So, Ash is three badges away from being able to enter the Hoenn League, and he's exceptionally motivated to get going on that. <laughs> like, so much so that he's kind of forgotten the rest of the gang has other priorities. They want to see Professor Birch, because if you remember last episode, we stopped in Petalburg City so Ash could challenge Norman for a gym badge. Um, and that's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Professor Birch in Little Root Town. Since they're out this way, they should give him a ring at the lab. But knowing that Ash is in a rush, like, Ash being in a rush to get going on gym badges is nothing new. Like, if that's all he wants to do in life is just challenge gyms and then move on to the next one and just keep going in perpetuity. It does sometimes make me wonder about the timeline and, you know, how athletes and other people in, in other types of sports and disciplines kind of have to time things through the season. And it's not like the Pokemon League just waits for Ash or anybody to get their eight badges and then it starts. It's implied that it's at the same time every year or every X many years, who knows. Same with the Hoenn Grand Festival for contests and such. And obviously it works out narratively if Ash gets his eighth badge and there's not too long a wait before the big tournament starts, you know? In Indigo, he had to wait like over two months since Badge 8 and the tournament start. Um, can't remember, but it felt like Johto turned around real quick with so much filler delaying Claire's gym so that it really wasn't long after for the Silver Conference. We'll see what Hoenn is like. And it makes sense, again, referencing real-world athletes, that seasoned competitors, which I think we can count Ash among now, would pace out their season and their training and their gym badge acquisition to peak, as it were, keep that momentum going, try to stick to a schedule. So it's like badge eight, and then you just carry that moment that momentum right through into the contest rather than, you know, get badge eight in January and the contest is in December, and then you got to, like, try to maintain that level. But the thing about Ash is that he doesn't stick to a schedule at all. 
he just sort of goes with the wind. So it amazes me that he hasn't yet gotten his eighth badge, like, the day after the tournament or something. <laughs> and, you know, has to wait a whole year for the next one. Um... But for all, he doesn't seem to care about schedules. It's not like he's completely unaware of time. Um, and it makes sense that he or Brock would occasionally ask when the next tournament dates are. And, you know, maybe think they need to pick up the pace if they want to make this year or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't feel like Ash takes longer than a year in any one region. But then again, Indigo, he left in April and then passed an actual Christmas. But it's also possible that occasionally tournaments do go by when he's on badge three or something, and he just doesn't care. I mean, he's only done the Indigo League once. Others have surely gone by while he's off in other regions. It's possible he's not terribly precious about, I have to do it this year. Just, I get the badges when I get the badges, and once I get badge eight, it is all systems are go. For Hoenn, Ash specifically came to this region with the intent of doing the Hoenn League, so I wouldn't be surprised if timing works out evenly. Same with Indigo, where all the trainers left in April, like, they might do that on purpose to give them plenty of time to get all badges in time for the next tournament. It's just the regions like Unova and such that baffle me, like the ones where Ash wasn't even slightly methodical, he just showed up on vacation with his mom and decided to stay on a whim, <laughs> like... But anyway, here we are in the present, five badges and headed for Professor Birch's laboratory. The professor has kept up with his unique style of driving, the one that got Pikachu to the hospital in record time while nearly putting Ash in the hospital several times. It's, it's wild. My little nephews are super into monster trucks right now, so we went to a monster truck event last month. And let me tell you, Birch has a future there if he wants it. When the car comes to a stop, the kids catch up, and Birch explains that Professor Oak is in town. He's actually supposed to meet him at the port, but Birch got caught up in fieldwork and lost track of time. Now he's making up for it by imitating the Fast and the Furious franchise. Which, given how ridiculous that franchise is, in all the best ways, I think you could have a spinoff with Pokemon, Fastball and Furious. Kids having Pokemon battles on the top of racing cars and do it for the family! This absolutely could be a thing. Ash and Brock wouldn't pass a chance to meet Professor Oak, so they jump in the Jeep and buckle up. May and Max don't. They're gonna head along to the lab, because they value their lives. Thank you very much. That's the only reason I can think of other than not enough seatbelts, since Max is jazzed beyond jazzed at the thought of meeting the professor. I forgot he hadn't had the pleasure yet. But during the stress-filled drive down winding mountain roads, we see Professor Oak may no longer be at the docks. A man who looks suspiciously like him is catching a ride on a hayloft. Could this be a fool's errand? Possibly so, since we cut to the Pokemon lab, where May and Max are checking out the starter Pokemon, Trico, Mudkip, Torchic, reminiscing about May's early days as a trainer and teasing siblings. In the thrall of making fun of May, Max runs and smashes right into a strange figure who is extremely recognizable even from the waist down. I'm reminded of that one Calvin and Hobbes comic where Calvin loses his mom in a crowd and is too short to see anything and is like, I wish all moms would just tattoo their names on their calves so we can find them. <laughs> anyway, yes, Max has just crashed into Professor Oak, 
the man, the myth, the legend, who greets him with a poem about Dodrio. Professor Oak is wearing a fedora, and remember way back in season one where Gary was digging up fossils dressed like Indiana Jones? Guys, it's genetic. But he's got a very lone cowboy sort of look to him, a reminder that old Sammy Oak has many sides to his personality and remains a box of surprises. He says he was waiting for Professor Birch so long he assumed the guy forgot, so he got his own ride to the lab. Max does not care one whit about the exposition. He wants the professor's autograph. He wants to know what Pokemon he has at the Oak Laboratory. He wants to know everything. The man has a lot of Pokemon, kid. We'll just start there. But Professor Oak does have uh, the three Kanto starter Pokemon with him today, specifically to show Professor Birch. So he's happy to show Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle to Max. On a side note, I'm just now noticing my autocorrect in my notes has changed Bulbasaur to Bulbasauce. Not sure I feel good about that as a nickname. Anyway, Team Rocket is spying on the events, so I guess they got out of the collapsing tunnels last episode, and, like, interesting that they chose not to follow Ash when the team split. Usually, Ash is where the plot happens. I don't know, maybe they thought they had a better chance of stealing something following May and Max when the main twerp is not around. Now, if anyone can identify the anime or movie or whatever classical reference that is the basis for today's boss fantasy, please let me know, because this is epic. It's so obviously a parody, but as I am not part of the Japanese culture, I am missing it, and it kills me. Giovanni is standing, but the crashing waves of the ocean in dramatic sunset with his coat flared out like a fighting anime protagonist or Seto Kaiba... And he turns around and sees his army behind him, these six starter Pokemon who have been with him since the, quote, beginning. And their youth spent together, like, they shall now back him up as he goes to war. Like, seriously, I don't know what's happening, but I need to know. Long story short, though, they're gonna steal the Pokemon for the boss. I'm always intrigued by how many of the boss fantasies, and also Brock's love confessions, are actually parodies of pop culture or classic literature or whatever. Like, a lot of the Team Rocket mottos are too. I don't always go into that, um, because a lot of the times I don't recognize the references, but it's always such a treat when I do. I, I know there is one confession, one love confession of Brock's that I'm dying to get to in the Sinnoh region. It's not going to happen for a long bit. But in English, it's nothing, just like whatever. Just Brock being overly dramatic, no one cares. But then I once happened to watch that episode in Japanese and hear Brock reciting near verbatim this incredibly famous Japanese poem adapted to the context of asking a girl out. And now it's hilarious and I'm sitting bolt upright like, did I just hear that? Why haven't I been paying more attention to these dumb little bits that are in every episode? I, I wonder how many I've been missing. Anyway, Bulbasaur is the first Pokemon the kids get to meet, and Max is inspecting that thing with a magnifying glass. As usual, Boy knows his stuff, but it's different seeing things up close and touching them. Which is where Max runs into trouble. Bulbasaur whips around like, Did you ask? Touching a stranger's bulb, how rude. Same with Charmander and Squirtle. And yeah, if a strange kid ran up and pinched my cheeks like some ant at Thanksgiving, I'd special attack them in the face too. Bulbasaur ends up showing May how to properly make someone's acquaintance. It extends a vine and when it has her attention, uses it to shake her hand. 
Yes, Max, pay attention. This is how we respectfully greet others and touch strangers in public. May and Bulbasaur are actually hitting it off really well, a complete difference from when she was first here to meet a starter Pokémon. Sadly, it's interrupted by Team Rocket and their giant robo Skiploom. It flies. It's amazing. Um, they capture all six starter Pokémon in a net and fly off. I'm sure everybody's like, oh man, where's Ash when you need him? <laughs> Professor Oak's like, well, I guess I'm next in line. Really should have known. He runs after the mech, and May and Max follow him. Meanwhile, with the boy who's usually the magnet for Team Rocket trouble, Ash is down at the docks with Brock and Professor Birch, wondering where Professor Oak is. You know, it strikes me that with Team Rocket following Ash around, that's basically curbed most of the crap they got up to before they started following Ash. Like, you know, back when they were legit criminals to be feared and Officer Jenny actually cared about getting out their mugshots. <laughs> They were getting up to all kinds of things, like who knew where they would strike next? And now it's pretty much guaranteed that they're within a five-mile radius of Ash at all times. Most of their crimes are centered around him personally. And even when they're not, he's going to take it upon himself to deal with the problem. Like, now he's even cut them off from the Team Rocket backup and organizational resources out in Hoenn, you know, where Team Rocket doesn't have a foothold. Like they're just some lone agents in a foreign state without even Giovanni's reputation to support them. Like, can you imagine the weight that Ash has taken off the Kanto Police Department? <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a bit aggravating to be in Ash's orbit and dealing with this, but the rest of the world, not immediately in his orbit, owes him a massive favor. Anyway, since Professor Oak cannot be found at the docks, Professor Birch does the sensible thing. He calls the laboratory, thinking maybe Professor Oak left a message about being delayed or told someone where he went. We cut to the reaction of the phone call, where we learned that Professor Oak not only arrived at the lab already, but came and went because Team Rocket showed up and stole six starter Pokémon. It's a vat of chaos they've been dumped into. But luckily, Professor Birch is on the case. He and our boys hightail it back to the lab, and in the meantime, lab assistant Joshua is looking for something belonging to Oak, May, or Max so they can follow their scent and hopefully find this crew in time for the final showdown. I would suggest just looking up and seeing if you can spot the balloon or a giant skip loom mech, but it's possible Team Rocket's landed already. I would say Team Rocket's usually pretty obvious, and they also have that old hat Sammy Oak on the case, but Team Rocket clearly spent last episode upgrading. They've got sensors and cameras and lock. Oh. Oh, what if I was fooled last episode? What if I just assumed that Team Rocket was still in Petalburg, like digging their cave under the gym because that's where Ash was, because that's what they always do. Like, did they actually say where they were? What if they were here the whole time? because they never actually interacted with Ash last episode, spent all episode digging their secret rocket base. And if they had all that time to themselves with only Doug Trio to contend with, oh my gosh, they may have done something extraordinary here. Team Rocket, they're getting their mojo back. I shouldn't be glad about this. Because they level it up a bit further, using the Pokemon they just stole as bait, and trapping Max, May, and the Professor in a hole, and vacuuming up May's Pokeballs before she can let them out of their Pokeballs. Team Rocket's on a roll. So they run off to their control room, because they have one, this is wild, and they drink to their success. 
Like, for real, I guess Jesse and James are no longer underage by Japanese standards, or they're just going to add that to their rap sheet, too. Luckily, Professor Oak might fall for a hole trap, but he's more than smart enough to outwit a drunk Team Rocket, and so is Max. I mean, technically so is May, but, like, she, she doesn't get much chance to shine here. Sorry, May. <laughs> They figure out that Max can squeeze through the grate that's locking them up in their trap, and they find an escape. Professor Oak uses the collectible photos Max keeps of him to fool Team Rocket's security cameras into thinking he's still in the cage. Team Rocket, being drunk, doesn't notice that Professor Oak is not moving and and staying frozen in this very, uh, very sassy pose. Um, Nor do May and Max ever come into frame. Like I said, they're just enjoying their spoils. Max shimmies out of the trap and goes to free the Pokemon. Since he does so by making use of the Pokemon's own attacks, using fire attacks followed by water to weaken the cage and then tackle, it seems like the Pokemon could have rescued themselves. But we'll forgive them, they're babies and they're scared. It's not only people who grow through Pokemon, it's also the other way around, And this is one of Max's first times really commanding Pokemon like a trainer, certainly for starter Pokemon, so it's a big deal for him as well. Soon the Pokemon are all free and there is much rejoicing. Being as Team Rocket is drunk as skunks, it shouldn't be too hard for an old man and a pair of kids to best them and get May's Pokemon back. They recruit a local Zubat living in the cave to hit Team Rocket with Supersonic, Not that they need help getting more disoriented. (laughs) Try Supersonic tomorrow morning when they're hungover. It'll be super effective. While Team Rocket is clutching their eardrums, the baby Bulbasaur uses Vine Whip to grab the stolen Pokeballs. Well done, everybody, but getting out is the hard part. Team Rocket has invested in a state-of-the-art security system. Steel doors slam shut and prevent May, Max, and Professor Oak's escape. Luckily, all the local Pokemon are siding with the professor and the kids. They know what's up. A Doug trio digs a tunnel under the doors, and the good guys are all able to escape this latest trap of Team Rocket. They follow the tunnel to a massive underground cavern with a lake, and at the very center, a sleeping Gyarados. Remember, the local Pokemon are on the good side, despite Gyarados having their own zip code and answering to no one. The kids and Professor Oak sneak past Gyarados, but when Team Rocket follows them, ooh, baby, Gyarados wakes up and fires on them. That takes care of the bad guys for now, and our heroes run up against the last metal door. No way to open it. So if you're wondering what's taking Ash so long, well, he's just trying not to die in a car wreck. Birch has a Poochiana friend living out in the hills that's able to track their friends with the scent in Max's backpack. And while they follow along with Poochiana, Professor Birch notices that all the Pokemon are displaced. Zubat, who typically live in the cave, are sleeping in the trees in broad daylight. Poliwhirl, who usually live in the mountain, are also out here. Something's disrupting their natural habitat. Following this trail of evidence, they come to the mountain. A giant big R on the side. Ash is like, yeah, not surprised at all. Now they just need to find a way through. Poochiana might have an idea. Following Max's scent, it finds the metal door separating May, Max, and the professor from freedom. There's a small hole in the rock on the side of the door, just big enough for Max to call through. 
The two teams update each other. Both sides are safe and healthy. We just have to take down the door. Professor Oak gets the idea to alternate Pokemon attacks on the metal. For this one, we're going to use electricity and water. I don't know what kind of metal would break down with that or why, but he's the scientist. He's got the lab coat of authority. If he says this will work, I trust him. Ash and Brock decide to tag team on this. Mudkip and Lombre use water gun. Pikachu uses Thunderbolt. And then Professor Oak uses this as a teaching opportunity, asking Max which Pokemon can use Tackle. The answer is most of them. And then there's the similar attack called Pound. But they command all the Pokemon with physical attacks to hit the door. They burst the door right off its hinges, or whatever is holding it up. But the second they get free, Team Rocket resurfaces from wherever Gyarados blasted them off to. And this, I have to give it to Team Rocket, like the base they've built inside the mountain. The base is also the mech. They built it inside the mountain. Like, I I just can't get over this. The base is also a mech. Like, ugh. (laughs) So Mecha Skip Loom rises from the mountain, and like, whatever happens next, this is intimidating. Good job, Team Rocket. So now they have to fight the mech, a Skip Loom with more hands than should be legal. But these kids have a whole episode of weakening metal with other elements, and they have two sets of starter Pokemon plus three Pokemon trainers, arsenals, and whatever the professors have going on today. Surely they can do this. By alternating water, fire, and ice, um, fire attacks, water attacks, ice attack, and the skip loom starts to crack. Pikachu finishes it off with a thunderbolt. The mech explodes in fiery glory, and Team Rocket blasts off in the formation of an R. Well done. Well done, team. Staying on brand. And Professor Oak ends with a poem. Swiftly moving, flying high, a starmy lights their darkening sky. And that's also the end of the adventure. Presumably, Ash got to catch up with old Sam, um, but we don't see it. The next scene is the kids getting onto a boat for um, Fortree City. So I'm not sure we really stick the landing on this episode um, with the ending. But the important thing is Max got a taste of Pokemon training, and both he and May got to meet and be mentored by the professor, which is also something he loves to do. So it all worked out well. Again, I'm not sure we stuck the landing of this episode because on the one hand, it was it was a really fun episode and you got to see like Professor Perch being himself and um just, it just driving like a maniac and Professor Oak interacting with kids and teaching them about Pokemon. Um but it's kind of like the thing we all wanted most every time Professor Oak shows up, which is him interacting with Ash, like, never really happened. And, like, the episode just kind of ends, and it's just like, okay, and then we're off to do the next thing. It's like we spent the entire episode looking for Professor Oak, and then we didn't, we, that nothing came of that. It's like, oh, we met him, and now we're going. Like, again, it's implied, and it's not like we, the audience, didn't spend any time with Professor Oak. It's just, it's just a little weird. I feel narratively, but nonetheless, a very fun episode. And um, May May getting along with Bulbasaur made me very happy because one day May will own a Bulbasaur, and that makes just a I don't it, 
a little bit of foreshadowing. I don't know if the writers were necessarily thinking that far ahead about this, but like certainly I don't know if it was decided if they were going to Kanto for um, the battle frontier yet. We still got a long ways till the Hoenn season is over. But even if they weren't planning it consciously at this stage, it's nice to think that maybe um, it influenced stuff that came later. And if it's an unintentional callback, then yay for serendipity. Anyway, um, this has been it for Peekappy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, We'll see you all next time uh, as we continue through Advanced Generation. This has been Peekappy Podcast. Best wishes and gotta catch them all. (laughs) 